Jonathan and welcome back to Every Version Ever. Today's episode is, I think, kind of a milestone, because if I'm remembering right, this is the last big re-edit of my old Wonderland Wednesday episodes that I'm doing to re-release on Every Version Ever. Ever since I started Every Version Ever, I've slowly been re-releasing all the old Wonderland Wednesday episodes I did with Sarah back in 2017 and 2018, at least the ones that were long enough to be re-cut into a podcast, because doing Wonderland Wednesday was really what inspired the Every Version Ever podcast, so it was only fitting to show the old episodes on the new show as well, and I think this is finally the last one. Now, Mondo di Alice, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is an Italian miniseries that covers both Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, and in many ways, it is one of the more true-to-the-source material versions that we've seen so far, I think. We don't 100% know for sure because this was in Italian, and there is, at least to my knowledge, no English dub or a version that has English subtitles. I'm not even sure this is available to watch in America. In fact, the only reason I knew this one existed was because of Phantomwise's blog, and that was long before I even knew Jenna, so I just found a mention of this show on her blog and decided to track it down for myself. And actually, the way that I originally found this was by using a translate feature in Google Chrome in order to make an account on and sign into an Italian streaming service, and then after I released the original videos reviewing these episodes back in 2018, I found out the site was region locked, so I couldn't even get back in, and then I had people asking how they could watch it for themselves, and I'd been sending them over there. And then I found out I could no longer go back and sign in, so I couldn't tell people how to watch them for themselves anymore. So, that was fun. The joys of being into watching obscure foreign movies and TV, I guess. Anyway, that's all I've got for a look behind the scenes of this one. Though I should say, if you're listening to this episode, I will do my best to make the transition seamless when I edit these episodes together. But if you're watching the video version, you'll notice that Sarah and I recorded these in different parts in a couple locations, as this was originally recorded as more than one video review for YouTube. Like I said, this is before we transitioned into podcasting. Anyway, that's mostly only relevant to video viewers, so let's get on with the show and talk Nelmando Dialice with Sarah. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wonderland Wednesday. Today we're going to be talking about an Italian version. I think it was called Nelmando di Alice. I can't remember exactly what that's called. I want to say in the land of Alice. We're a little bit handicapped on this one because we had no subtitles. I do not speak Italian, but it's so familiar. I mean, on the one hand, it's a shame if we missed anything different that they did with the dialogue. I feel like that wasn't proper grammar, but, or if they included some of the funny parts we couldn't really chuckle along with that, but it's another weird cultural thing that we're doing for you. And if you're homesick for Italy, this might be the perfect version. Or if you want to see what the 70s looked like in Italy, this is also your version. If you have a 70s thing, tambourines included. Yeah, it was kind of strange. It was very 70s. And... I, don't, I can't say if it's very Italian or not. It was in Italian. It, the language was Italian, but... There are definitely aspects that were... They made a lot of... I don't know if it was a creative choice or a budgetary choice. Because most of... Well, all of the backgrounds, at least so far in the episodes we've seen, are... They look like they were drawn with crayons. <laughs> 
Like, there's no... They didn't go out and film in a wooded area. They didn't go down a rabbit hole. Everything was hand-drawn with crayons and mostly kind of looked like a child did them. I feel like, okay, when it starts, it's a natural setting, and then there's the switch to a staged setting when the rabbit comes along, which is sort of a tacky puppet. And he... Maybe that's the way... Italians sound when they're in a hurry because he sounds different from the rabbits that you're <laughs> There's just the little noises he's making. It's different. There's a different intonation and a different feeling there. So Which that's fine when we watch an Alice from a different country We want to see the culture coming through and what they would do with it mm-hmm. I found it slightly odd because her sister's a blonde and she's a brunette and they just decided to go with that her hair looks 70s her dress looks like something that they found in a shop somewhere and thought, oh, this will work. <laughs> Which could be the case because, like I said, I think a lot of choices were made for budgetary reasons in this version. I think there are things that they tried to put more money into. They, I think they had to make decisions like how can we cut a corner here so that we can put more detail here. I think they put a lot more detail into things like the tea party scene. Right. Because the rabbits or the hare's house was there. And yeah, they, they actually a, made that. And they had a good spread for the table as well. Now, this was a little bit slow, probably partly because we had no translation. When she goes down the rabbit hole, Jonathan's like, she's totally not lying on a black thing. Because she's basically just sort of slowly wriggling <laughs> <laughs> as these objects are going by. And I got tired of it probably pretty quickly and i think they were using all of the dialogue from that scene because it just took forever the book the book has a lot of dialogue as she's falling she has a lot of inner monologues and observing the different things that she's falling past and i don't think they cut any of it because this scene took so long i don't know how it would compare to the 80s bbc but that one was more interesting even though it did take forever Partly because they had a much bigger budget for that one, mm. and we could speak English, so we we could understand what she was talking about. And, oh, the Hall of Doors. It was okay, I guess. It was very plain. It was, it was all white doors that had a sort of drawn look to them. I adore adored the drink me bottle it was tiny with a little bitty cork on top it was so cute it looked kind not, i don't know like a soda bottle or something that was i thought an interesting she take. she was very excited by that bottle <laughs> very excited it was a tiny cute thing i, I don't know <laughs> anyway i want it um the pool of tears wasn't done well because she didn't cry out enough and then it was a small puddle that apparently dissolved the floor underneath because she fell right through the floor and the rat didn't really look like a rat you could tell that they were doing the dialogue where she's saying french and they were making it work but the rat looked like it would be right at home in some sort of a strange science fiction movie about adorable alien creatures because it did not look like a rat, but it was kind of cute in a weird way. <laughs> they make it out to where the, you know, off the shore, 
where the dodo bird and these other creatures are. He kind of liked the owl puppet. That was probably the best one. The rest of the puppets were weird. <laughs> they, you know, it's one of those things where it's okay, but no dialogue. And it took forever to get through this scene. And at some point, I'm assuming this was the caucus race, because all of a sudden you had electric gu guitar going. Not like heavy metal electric guitar, but like 70s electric yeah, guitar. It was you very had, strange. It's where the decade interjected into the story and they're running around, running around. And it's just you, a you're, weird just gonna, scene. you're just going to have that unless somebody's really trying to be true to it, as I might expect from BBC. But if you think back to the 30s, there's so much 30s flavor that gets layered into there. And in the 50s French version, there really is strong 50s influence mm -hmm. interwoven into the whimsy of it. So not a fan of the guitar in that part, but whatever. <laughs> it was an interesting touch either way. It made at least it at least made the scene memorable. I guess. <laughs> After that, they ended up at the rabbit's house. You, you do have the scene where the rabbit comes along, and I'm assuming mistakes her for Marianne. The rabbit's house was the part where you really notice the budgetary restraint because you basically have dialogue outside of the house, and you have her... Looking through the window. You, you're looking at the back of her head for the most of the scene. Well, something is happening outside. We know what it is because we've read the book, but... Right. She boots li Bill the lizard out of the chimney but you, you, never, never see. you never see and they throw in pebbles which turn into some sort of little round treat and it was memorable in the sense that it was so <laughs> monetarily restrained yes yeah but after that you start to see a little bit more detail I think they I think they threw more budget into the rest of the film and maybe they remembered that they needed to do this scene. I don't know. I don't know. But after that you get the caterpillar and that you could tell they put a little more thought into, a little more money into because I I actually thought it was kind of clever how they did his costume. They had I I'm pretty sure they had him standing inside uh, the trunk of the mushroom to hide his legs or the stem of the mushroom. <laughs> yeah, well, it was big enough to be a trunk if you yeah. see it. Yeah, it's. They built the back half of the caterpillar on top of the mushroom, and then had him in a costume that was attached to the back half, so that it looked like he was a caterpillar sitting on a mushroom. Bonus. And I think they did a good job with it. Bonus: He not only smokes, he plays the guitar. <laughs> yes, and another do... interesting choice of the '70s decade. Eh. I don't know. Maybe it was the Italian sensibility, and she ends up dancing around. This is a... There's more dancing in this version than you would expect out of an Alice. We'll get to that. But yeah, she dances around, and they sing, and at some point she takes the mushroom and grows, and then she looks like she's next to... It looks like a gravestone. Well, it looks kind of like a fancy house in town and... But uh, also a gravestone. Yeah, and she eats some more mushroom, shrinks down, and it is the Duchess scene. The baby is obviously a 
puppet that's being shaken all over the place. The cook is probably the best looking cook that we've and, ever and seen. The Duchess is also the best looking Duchess. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady that they just did up in heavy makeup and they didn't try to make her ugly. Yeah, usually we're used to the Duchess being like a really not hideous character but very unattractive. A caricature at best, really ugly at worst, mm -hmm. or just I don't know, the thirties when they didn't the thirty one version they didn't do her up, but they had a I think they had a large headpiece or something. Anyway, but she had an axe so that made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> the cat in this scene was not one of the best treasure cats. No, it was, it was a weird puppet. It's kinda of like a paper cutout in a fancy way and it had an odd mouth as well. And this little snaggle tooth, just like one tooth. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what the point of that single tooth was. I could understand if it was like one little fang, but but then you could be like, anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they have strange 70s sound effects that go with the cat. The baby, just note that whoever has the baby, whether it's Alice or the Duchess, this is not how you hold a baby. I think one, one time they had it by its neck. She did! Alice, when she was going to put it down on the ground, and she looked all happy. So, yeah, wasn't thinking that through. Yeah. And she looked like she was at least in her 20s, but I have been so wrong with dating how old the Alices are that little do I realize she was like 17. I don't know. I never looked it up. And who knows if I'd even be able to find information because it's an Italian TV show. So, they, that was a fairly drawn out scene, but it was, that was. It was entertaining enough that it didn't feel as long as like the her falling down the, that too. Ah, <laughs> there were some drawn out scenes, but this didn't feel like one of them. It was okay. <clears throat> and of course you have the scene with the Cheshire Cat. And like I say, the weird 70s sound effects as he's fading. And when they got down to just his mouth, that looked weird. And Disney it was not. So not that Disney is the only one that can do a decent, you know what I'm saying. It just wasn't that good. <laughs> we're, so, we're so mean on these, aren't we? It's like you wouldn't say this to the maker of the film, but... We're just letting you know how we feel. <laughs> they live in Italy. No, they'll never see this. They might not even be alive anymore. <laughs> That's true. How many years ago was that now? 50, almost 50? Ugh. 40 or 50. Either way. What year was it made? I think it was early 70s. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then... On, and then she's just going, she just comes in sight of the March Hare's house and they cut off the first episode. And the next episode covers the rest of Alice in Wonderland. And when you come back in, they sort of restart from that point where she's at the house. Mm -hmm. The tea party can take a long time and it did. This is not the first version that has taken a long time. There were some things I liked about it, but the main thing that I did not like about it was the Dormouse because it looked 
disgusting. <laughs> kind of a gross puppet. And for some reason, the March Hare seemed to be female. Yeah. Which I'm... I can't decide whether I care. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that big of a deal for the scene. It didn't make a huge difference story-wise. So the only thing that really bothered me a lot was the Dormouse. The Dormouse sounded kind of like one of the sleepy mice from Speedy Gonzales, sort of sleepy sounding, that, that cartoon. Um... Except it was disturbing. It looked like, I don't know, some sort of horrifying alien. And <laughs> at one point, the Mad Hatter feeds it something, and you can see that it has a gaping hole where its throat is. And for some reason, that just adds to the disgust factor for you know, me. No, I don't know if I even... I didn't even retain that, so... Like, why did they need to put in a gaping throat hole? <laughs> It was just disturbing. I hated it. <laughs> he was way more... I was more focused, I think... Okay, the the Dormouse was kind of gross. But the Mad Hatter was an interesting character. I thought he was fine. He was the best part of the scene. Probably, yeah. It was interesting to see his fancy teacup. It's like, oh, it's Italian. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was French. Um, he gets my vote for best singer for a Mad Hatter tea party. He actually sounded kind of operatic. He he had a he had a vibrato going. He was he was putting his little heart into it and I think that's where the that's one of the parts where the Italian thing really shined through because you don't get that on any of the other versions. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of that was fun. I liked yeah. that. And really, I and another thing that I didn't care for about the scene is when she is leaving, she thinks the whole thing is dumb, and the Mad Hatter is stuffing the Dormouse into a teapot. It's just, it looks kind of slow and maybe psychotic, <laughs> which I know is Plus supposed to be crazy. Plus the puppet is getting crunched, <laughs> so. But it wasn't fun, like the one version, like, oh, we're stuffing you in the teapot. It was just like, we are now submerging you in the teapot. I, I don't know. It was just kind of weird and wrong looking. Yeah. Everything that had to do with the Dormouse was weird and wrong looking. Yeah. I don't think they got that quite right. So, after that, back to the Hall of Doors, which is true to the book. And at this point, she does get into the beautiful garden. And this is where it gets... Weird. Okay, it was weird before this because it's Alice mixed with Italy in the 70s. Things that I would not experience if I wasn't in on this. <laughs> they had this really drawn out interpretive dance. Yeah. There was this That's the only way it can be described as it, an interpretive okay, dance. It looks kind of like a crayon background with this butterfly lady to match who is dancing around, and that's it. It's not from the book at all. This is... It was just weird. I We felt like they were trying to fill time. Like, this is supposed to be entertaining, but you're wondering, what? And how long... 
and why? And and I feel like Alice goes in and then it carries on a little bit longer. At some point it ends and we switch over to the cards painting the roses, which was also an interesting design choice. Every card every card suit was like a different type of person. And I'm not sure what type of person they were going for. Like the you had strange it really varied because you had people with long wigs, you had people with long beards. You with them they looked like they had quilts on their back backs. They looked like they had quilts on their backs, which I suppose was supposed to denote just a decorative card. Mhm. Mm but they had them on swings and they were not panicking over the roses. They They were just sort of wiping at them with their paintbrush as they went by and they weren't even hitting them most of the time. Maybe a combination of irresponsible youth and drunkenness. I they were they didn't act drunk. They just there there's supposed to be this sense of fear and slight panic. And I think they were bickering, but it wasn't the right mood for that scene and what on earth was the swings? That's not in the book. Yeah, I don't know. There was, there was a lot about this scene that was confusing. But it, yeah, it gets stranger, maybe. This is another area where it starts to feel like they're just filling time. Because the cards start marching in, which is perfectly acceptable. But then it's like you have this type of card marching in, and this type of card, and they have their own little weird step that they're doing, and then it's like they all have to have their own little interpretive dance sequence or something. Yeah, it was like a combination of, um, like, I remember, I think it was when we went to pick up my brother from boot camp. They had, everybody like was marching in a certain way, like to get in there. Or It was something to do with, a, at a certain time when we either took my brother somewhere or picked him up. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember the soldiers marching. And it was like a combination of that with weird dancing, like dance marching, and everybody was dressed weirdly. You, you had cards that were the 80s rocker look mixed with medieval card person and then okay the bearded ones made me think of a traditional jew mixed with a card made into a ghost and also the with a bit of lumberjack thrown in little little hairband and hipster cards both with ghostly white paint this was interesting and those th those were the black suits i believe then you got the white ones or the red ones and I'm not even sure what they were supposed to be. At first, I thought they were women, but maybe they weren't. Maybe it could—they they could have been a they, combination of women and men. Right. But they were all—they all wore really pale makeup, and they all had similar lengths of hair. I'm just assuming that if they're in tights, that they're supposed to be men, even if some of them might have been played by women. I—I I don't know. They gave was, them this ghostly white paint, and there's a part of me. I don't understand that completely, and they didn't take it all the way around their heads, so when you see the back of them, they have the normal flesh-colored <laughs> necks, which in a sense was maybe slightly refreshing to see the normal part of their <laughs> body. <laughs> the queen? <laughs> the, 
the queen is what the duchess should have been. <laughs> she was she... just hideous and loud and annoying. I think this may be where the Italian comes out a little bit more because of the way she expressed her anger. Now I'm going to get some Italians upset. It's like, no, they totally made this up. She growled a lot. Yeah, just in this in her fake distress. Yeah. It was very fake. But little do I realize that some Italian mother is going around, Ah, oh, you didn't pick up your room. Ah, so upset with you. <laughs> Who knows? It's just, it's one of those things that really stood out to us. And, yeah, and then they have the garish white with the natural color of her teeth, which teeth are not unless you bleach them they're not naturally pearl white so when you put them up against that garish white paint it made them look yellow so she's going around all angry with these yellow looking teeth and they yeah so they they did a good job conveying that she was not a pleasant character mm -hmm. what we thought that they maybe did was combine the quadrille with the croquet scene because they really didn't have the croquet. And they, they didn't have the quadrille scene either. They did have the scene where she's talking with the Duchess and you hear an Italian word that sounds like moral, like she's going through, and the moral of that is only in Italian. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't end up with them going off to see the griffin and mock turtle. It just transitions right into the courtroom scene. But really... After the whole filing in of all the soldiers, you do have this whole scene where people are just sort of dancing around where it's almost this combination of the croquet game, but no croquet, and, and maybe the quadrille, and it's it's just confusing what they're doing, and I guess artistic, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess. And we get to the courtroom scene, and we see how much time is left on the film. And it's like, this is going to take a while. And it did. It did, but it probably wasn't the most painful. Okay, I can guarantee it was not the most painful courtroom scene. The 31 version might have been. Yeah. The Mad Hatter does not die in this version. <laughs> yes. He does bite his teacup, but it doesn't look disturbing. He leaves his shoes behind for some reason, like he's been scared out of his high-heeled shoes. And, yeah. I didn't even notice they were high-heeled. They were high-heeled, but boots. but they don't, but they didn't look, they're not like... Stilettos? <laughs> no, he wasn't wearing bedazzled stilettos. He wasn't that crazy. They must have, they must have just been sort of boot-like with a bigger-than-average heel. Yes. Take notice. Maybe that was period correct for Italy <laughs> at that time, because yeah, he's he's masculine. He doesn't. He's he's not wearing a dress <laughs> and heels along with his female March Hare counterpart. That would be a really weird version. Now I kind of want to see a version where like the everybody is a different gender. Like, like it would be Alex in Wonderland or Alec. Make it or Alistair. 
Yeah. Alistair in Wonderland where everything is topsy-turvy and now we've given some strange person the idea <laughs> and it's going to be a real trip. This will be we'll, interesting. But we'll probably Maybe watch. I should cut this out and do it myself. <laughs> anyway. Um, they have the cook come in and they have the puppets as the jury. They have Alice sort of squeezing out the dormouse as she's growing bigger and they have the confrontation with her. And instead of the cards flying at her, she gleefully picks up a bunch of cards and tosses them. And that happened right after I said that I was getting sick of this scene and I wanted her to lay waste to the courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) And then she kind of did. One of the things that was wrong about this version is that there were times where she looked kind of, how do you say, vapid? Vapid. Vapid. Where she's just sort of staring and smiling instead of being properly engaged with the scene. Which sort of harkens back to the 31 version. It kind of does. I didn't think about it like that. But now that you mention it, that they do have that in common. Where with the courtroom scene, I guess it's it's sort of okay. Her expression was sort of okay. But there should have maybe been a little bit of... If there's going to be glee, maybe mix it with anger, because she's supposed to be upset in that scene. She wasn't. She was just like, tossing the cards. <laughs> and then she wakes up on the bank. The end. Yeah, that's literally the end. There was, there was nothing that happened after that. She just woke up and the credits rolled. Another thing about this version is... It probably has the longest beginning to any of these versions. That's true. Every episode starts with like a two, two and a half minute credits song crayon drawing thing. Which probably cut into the budget because it was very artistic. They had this And kind of catchy too. I actually liked it. I, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. It's very 70s. It's... I'm assuming that they specially wrote it for this program and they have all of the illustrations and then they have sort of a a different version of it at the end without singing and with these really weird sound effects. The end of it doesn't take that long, but the beginning, the second time he skipped a bunch of it because it is just very long and it's almost like they're telling the whole story mm-hmm. in that form before you even watch yeah. the film complete with tambourines so if you love the 70s if you love italy if you just want to watch something weird and zone out while eating popcorn maybe watch this it'll be very hard to find though because i actually had to do a ton of internet searching to find this and i had to use google translate to find my way around an Italian streaming service and sign up for the Italian streaming service so that I could actually watch this thing. Such dedication. (laughs) There was literally no other way to find it. I found links to it on YouTube, but they'd all been taken down. So somebody doesn't want this version (laughs) out there for free, even though they had it for free on the Italian streaming service. Have we mentioned 
Have we mentioned that each episode is about an hour long? Yeah, or each ep- it, this is basically two full-length movies because what we're talking about is the first two episodes and the next two episodes are through the looking glass. So you're basically getting two full-length movies in four episodes. So you start to see a little bit more how you could have parts where it just looks like they're filling time. Mm-hmm. Especially that butterfly scene. I don't know where they got that idea from. There was no precedent for that in the book. It would make more sense if she went into a beautiful garden and, and started discovering things, snipping flowers, and just have that be a weird, drawn-out part. But whatever. Okay. Anyways. Oh, we forgot to mention how the cards, how she rescues them. That was... Yeah. She saves the cards by... Launching them into space. Off of their... Well, not, a, not into space. <laughs> now they're going to be envisioning orbit, but... <laughs> They basic to get away from the queen. They each get on the swing, and she pushes them so hard that they fly away, and they get away from the executioner. The executioner was strange too; they had kind of an odd outfit for him. But anyway, that that was the use of the swings, I guess. <laughs> Are you enjoying this episode of the podcast? Do you want more content from me and my friends on the iHeart Movies Podcast Network? We have exclusive bonus episodes, extended episodes, preview content, and more waiting for you right now on Patreon. Patrons also get the chance to request episodes, so if you want me to cover something I've never done before, sign up and let me know. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wonderland Wednesday. Today we're going to be talking about the last two episodes of Nelmando di Alice, which I think we were pronouncing it wrong before because we only realized in the last episode that everyone was addressing her as Alice, not Alice. He's paying way more attention than I am. I didn't know what the title was and I wasn't listening for her name. (laughs) I didn't think about it at the beginning and it only struck me in the last episode that that's what everyone was calling her. So anyways... We're talking about the last two episodes today, and they were both an adaptation of Through the Looking Glass. And I found it a lot harder to follow this time because I'm not quite as familiar with this story as I am with the original. And it was just, it was weird. I mean, the story's already weird, but... I don't... I think maybe I remember more. Probably. And I I feel like... I would like to reread it too because there's a lot of detail, but I wasn't, I was looking forward to this one maybe a little bit more after the first one because the first one is so familiar and I thought it would be interesting to see what they do with this part of the story. And they did have a lot of stuff out of the book, their own version of it. And they Mm -hmm. cheated because they did not have the kitten, boo. And she didn't actually go through the looking glass. She went through a door into the garden. And she is... But it was in a dream, too. Because uh, this tied in with the the first episodes. Like, she woke up and then fell right back to sleep. So was she supposed to be dreaming that she's in the study at home? I think so. And they did include the... they, They started out with the chessboard because they have her watching the pieces moving, dancing around having conversation on the chessboard 
Side note, I, I really liked the room that she was in, the study. It had a really nice old-fashioned green, shade of green on the walls and brown leather furniture, and it was just cozy and old-fashioned looking. But yeah, she does, and they left out the part with the baby. Yeah, and, I was waiting for that. And, and the volcano. There was no baby, no volcano and, mentioned. And yeah. It was it was similar enough that we knew kind of what was going on, but they were leaving out bits, and of course they're speaking Italian, so we yeah. weren't exactly sure if everything was getting in there, but it was glaring when they left out something as big as the baby and the volcano. Which I don't know how much I thought about at the time, but that is big. The thing that caught me off guard was her not going through the mirror. Side note, if you're not familiar with Alice, don't start with this one. You may be turned off forever because you will have no idea. I mean, maybe if you're fluent in Italian, maybe. Yeah, we were saying multiple times. It's a good thing we actually at least sort of know what's going on because you you would just be completely lost because... You're it was it was it was very bizarre even to in a lot of places even to somebody like us who kind of knows what's happening like her sister walked through and just was giving us the weirdest looks in the running in place scene like she, she had no idea what was going on yeah she's probably more familiar with the first book yeah. i knew what was happening it was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, that was. I actually liked that scene. I thought they did pretty good with it. Um. So they do have her getting her instructions. If you're familiar with the story, you get that that's what's happening. For playing the game and becoming queen, they do have a scene with the flowers, which was different. They, you could tell that there were people behind these flower puppets but yet with a green background, so they're trying to hide the fact that they're back there. And they actually had a guy playing one, like prominently playing one of the flowers, probably had the most dialogue out of all the flowers. Either that, I it just seemed so. like it. Yeah. I think he might've been a lily with a rich bass voice. I don't know, but uh, he was not trying to be a girl. I, and I, I thought that was interesting. So you have the March hair who seems like a girl and then one of the flowers who seems like a guy and they're just having a little fun with that, which, I don't have a problem with there being a man flower. I don't know that that's in the book, but I don't know if they ever say in the book. I don't book. think they gendered the flowers in the book, at least to my recollection. But like I said, I haven't read the book in a long now time. Now we need to look it up. Oh, well, I just need to reread the stories. <laughs> yeah. I think we said that the last time we were reviewing a Through the Looking Glass adaptation. Well, and there is a lot of charm and humor when you read the book that I think can get lost when you're watching a film adaptation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wordplay and dialogue, you humor in the dialogue. It's good to be reading a version with footnotes that tells you, oh, this was um, a variation on this poem that's just making it funny and, and silly and then it makes more sense instead of just being weird. It makes more sense in the context of a dreamland. Mm -hmm. I liked the setup of the train because they had these sort of plush, almost velvet-looking, Victorian-looking green seats. They really made it look like an old-fashioned 
train car and I really appreciated that. So where there might have been budget cuts in other areas, they did a really nice job with that setup. He hated the goat. The goat was hideous. I he looked evil. He wasn't hideous, but with the costume and the makeup, mm -hmm. he he got these sort of crazed looks on his face that I think if he hadn't tried to look crazy or if he hadn't had the dark eye makeup. That's true. He w I think I would have liked him a lot better without the makeup. Like if he just acted like a goat. And he yeah. was also supposed to have spectacles, I think. And he oh, was just, yeah, that's right. He was just sort of like a rocker, a crazed rocker in a goat costume on a Victorian train. So don't, if you haven't read Alice, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> there was, also there was a, supposed to be an insect on the train. When you see the man with the antennae painted green, you get that that's what's happening. I couldn't really tell what the other costumes were, though. There was supposed to... Yeah. There was supposed to be a man dressed in newspaper. There wasn't. I I, feel, I'm sure there was a horse, too, and there wasn't a horse. Yeah, there, there was a horse, and they didn't include that. Uh, yeah. So, not totally accurate, but I really appreciated the train setup. And then the train just... The train is supposed to basically be there and then be gone and they just sort of had it fall apart i'm fine with that they transitioned her very quickly into the next part they skipped all of the strange insects which i had been looking forward to because they had this pretty good costume for the insect on the train and i was looking forward to seeing what they were doing with the gnat and all of the other insects in the next scene so and then they skipped it completely they could have shortened other scenes and included that and they could have used cheap puppets and we could have said how cheap they were but they still would have included the scene and I think it it's not an essential part of the story but I think it is rather an important part if you're going to be true to the book and true to all the wordplay and funny parts of the book it would have been good to include it didn't have to but it would have been good they did include the fawn scene though which i didn't even remember existed i it's been so long since i read the book i could i did not remember there being a fawn at all and i don't think i've ever seen a version that included the fawn scene before so it just and totally meant there's supposed to be a, a forest where she can't remember who she is and neither can this fawn there's a really, there's a rather um, lovely illustration in the book, and I had remembered the font, but when we were watching these versions, it wasn't on my radar at all mm -hmm. for them to include this part. However, I, the font was creepy. Yeah, the, the they needed to include some nostrils or something because and some spots because fonts have spots, so they did it wrong. But kudos to them for actually including it. Yeah. As she's going through the forest, you know Tweedledee and Tweedledum are supposed to be happening, and they do. These were very different. They looked like beach balls with heads. I, I have positive and negative, because I don't think that they needed to go as far with the costuming as they did. I thought that was a little over the top and unnecessary. They didn't need all of those little 
what were they, squeaky, boing sort of yeah, sound effects? Yeah, that, that was kind of the worst part. The weird little noises they, they made when they, they moved. They just, it was unnecessary. And they gave them really garish, clown-like makeup. And from a distance, the black under their eyes just made it look like their eyes were empty and soulless and creepy. I was not disturbed by that. He was picking up on this and getting... I didn't realize it was makeup at first until they did a close-up on their face. And then so I was just seeing black, empty eyes. And then you have red across the lips. On the, I mean, it just it's kind of like a scarecrow and almost like they're trying to make them look bald. And I have no problem with them having hair and normal-looking faces. Yes, they could have given them the silly like matching outfits and, you know, exaggerated their figures a bit, but it was just unnecessary. And aside from that, without an English translation, I really liked them. I actually really liked them. It's okay. okay. If, it's okay if you don't, but I think it's just the Italian in them. I think they needed to sing. They included a lot of singing in this version that wasn't in the book, but nobody had a horrible voice. And I liked their voices. I actually liked the singing in this part. Maybe it was just because it was so Italian and they actually didn't sound terrible. We have watched one or more versions where the singing should not have been happening. Yeah. And uh, I think I just enjoyed their Italian-ness. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I wouldn't say this is a scene I particularly enjoyed. However, I've seen far worse, so this is not even close to being one of the worst ones we've ever seen. So I guess in that, in that case, I enjoyed it for not being horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't tell whether they included the walrus and the carpenter. I'm guessing that that is what they were singing and dancing around to. It could have been, but there was nobody dressed like a walrus or a carpenter, so there was no indication of what was going on. They belabored the fight scene more than they needed to, and they made the woods prematurely dark, which I didn't appreciate. The crow was not well done. It was this weird little puppet thing. All they needed was a big shadow and a silhouette for things to get dark right before. That's the way the story goes. Instead, it was just this weird little flapping scrap of fabric that was sort of <laughs> twitching and flittering around on the screen. and. So, it yeah, was not very well done. I would say that I liked the men who played Tweedledum and Tweedledee. I just didn't agree with a lot of the style choices for this scene. Yeah. So, and you couldn't quite tell, like, are they young? Are they middle-aged? It was just too much costuming. So, yeah. she finishes up with Tweedledum and Tweedledee, wanders off into the forest farther and meets the white queen other side note they keep panning out to the chessboard in the study and showing these live figures showing you where she is in the game which i think was an interesting choice yeah I, it was it wasn't extremely well done but i liked the point that they were illustrating because it is a chess game and you never really see in the other movie versions no, where she is. No, you don't. You can look out over the chessboard at the beginning, the chessboard landscape. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who's 
not speaking this language watching this version, you do get a... It's sort of a handy little tool of, oh yeah, she's making progress in the game. And you can see how far she is in relation to becoming queen, how close she's getting to the end of the game. Which I don't know how much I needed since I'm familiar with the story, but I think it was an okay addition. Unnecessary, but okay. Then, as she's wandering through the woods, she meets up with the White Queen, who I have mixed feelings about. On the one hand, I gotta hand it to these people, because the White King and the White Queen, even though they're wearing the white makeup, this heavy makeup, especially the White King, if you can be wearing what looks like a poofy little dress and funny hat and be plastered in makeup and I still think you're cute. <laughs> you're a good looking guy. <laughs> and the white queen, you could tell underneath this heavy makeup. And I mean, she was actually still beautiful in that mm -hmm. whole getup, not as a sheep, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So She had, in this scene at least, not at the beginning during the chess game, but in this scene, she had wild hair. And she reminded me of Helena Bonham Carter in a bunch of her roles, and I thought it would be interesting to see Helena Bonham Carter take on this role in some future adaptation if somebody ever remakes it. It just it seemed like a role that she would be good at playing, even if it's just for the hair, because she had some crazy hair in this scene. And her clothes, her shawl looked all raggedy. They were not true to her appearance in the book. She's supposed to be... Well, they weren't true to her appearance at the beginning either because she was pretty put together at the beginning, I think. I think that was okay for the beginning, but in this scene, she's supposed to be disheveled and just not have her stuff together. But they made her look like um, a woman come back from the dead looking to avenge her unfaithful lover, really. That's the way I put it, kind of, when we were watching it, because she seems slightly deranged, and with the raggedy clothing and the wild, white, silvery hair, yeah, the whole appearance made her seem rather mm -hmm. kind of like a crazy ghost. <laughs> and you can, you can tell when they get to the part of her pricking her finger, how she's, I thought the little noises she made beforehand were interesting. It's like, is, is this what Italians do when they're saying ow? I, I don't know. <laughs> Comment below if you're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but they belabored her sucking her prick. That got, that got weird. That was like a weird child psycho ghost sucking on her thumb with heavy lipstick and I, I felt uncomfortable. I wanted it to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, I would prefer that scene to what came next. <laughs> when she, once again, if you know what's going to happen, I knew she needed to transform into a sheep, but when they had her changing into a sheep, all of a sudden she was part human, but with this knit mask with what looked like eye holes, but you can't see her eyes. So to complete the look, what she really needed to do was whip out a chainsaw and start chasing Alice around the woods. Thankfully that didn't happen, but that was the feel that I was getting. Yeah, it was, it was 
bizarre and creepy. It was like she was some sort of demon Eeyore puppet. (laughs) (laughs) It was more natural when they were in the shop and she's in this full knit looking sheep costume when she looks more sheep like instead of just the creepy ghost lady in the psycho knit mask i I still didn't like her in the shop either but it was better than in the woods in my opinion maybe maybe marginally better and then all of a sudden they're doing the they're supposed to be these things with the shelves but they had this little doll that looked like it had evil eyebrows in his mind (laughs) and i think they had this doll moving from shelf to shelf if you don't know that the stuff on the shelves is supposed to move in this scene, which the scene is already strange in the book, then just add psycho horror movie doll on top of psycho sheep. And if you have an issue with little dolls. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, this could bring out somebody's phobia. <laughs> yeah, be warned. I, I can handle it. But I knew what was happening. Yeah. If I just randomly flipped onto this, <laughs> and I You're was not familiar, what, what this was? What are they playing? I on might TV start getting. Days? I might start getting the willies. Like, oh man, possessed doll. Change the channel. <laughs> so, she does purchase an egg, and then the egg disappears behind the shelf. She goes through this door, and there's this big egg. And then from there, you transition outside to the Humpty Dumpty scene. And wasn't there a stream running through this back room? I think so. There seemed to be a stream every time she crossed over onto the next square of the game. Another thing that I didn't approve of, but you're probably happy that they just moved past the sheep. There's supposed to be a scene where they're in a rowboat and... We didn't really need any more sheep scenes. (laughs) They totally skipped it. Humpty Dumpty, more singing. And he just, he looked weird. If you've ever seen, (laughs) I I showed her this last night. It reminded me of, if you've ever seen iCarly, they had the whole Baby Spencer thing. I might put a clip in here so you can see what I'm talking about. They had, they would have... The older brother in the show hide under a crib with his head sticking through the mattress and like a little doll body, so he looked like a baby. And that's what this Humpty Dumpty looked like. Looks like, except he looked also like a conehead creature. It was like a conehead slash baby Spencer thing going on, and it really didn't look right. <laughs> it, it just, it didn't look as well. It didn't look very well done. It could yeah. have been. It, yeah, it made um, the 60s Humpty Dumpty look... <laughs> well, I'd have to think about that, which one was worse. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever seen a truly good Humpty Dumpty. I guess the 90s one was it was decent, I guess. If it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. I think he was pretty... Where they just sort of had his face on... I think Interpo- so. Would you say interposed on? Yeah. Composited, probably. Pick a know. fancy technical word. <laughs> um, 
and you can I don't know if they they probably covered the Jabberwocky in this scene oh yeah I had said I was waiting to see what they were going to do with the Jabberwocky and I they, they never got to it. They probably sang all of it out yeah. and one or more other rhymes. And that's okay because they might not have done a good job with the Jabberwocky. It's, a, it's more than likely that they would not have done a good job. I mean, what are they going to do? A big creepy puppet or a cutout? It probably would have been. It, it just, it's probably better that they sang it out and moved on. So she finishes up with Humpty Dumpty. She goes into the woods. You hear a loud noise, which if you're familiar, you just know he's fallen off the wall. And then all of a sudden, there's all this noise and all this dirt keeps flying at her with leaves mixed into it. And you can just tell that it's all the king's horses and men coming to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, which of course they can't. If you've read the book, otherwise this scene would be very confusing and make zero sense. Because it's basically she's caught in a dirt storm and then the, then it ends. Yeah, sort of a prolonged dirt storm. The fourth episode begins, to me, the most boring of all the episodes. It was so boring that we had to stop recording and start watching the episode so we could remember how it started, even though we literally just watched it, like, less than an hour ago. I don't feel that negatively about it. The king was sitting in the forest with a math book singing to himself for too long. <laughs> That's his version. It was actually... It looked like a book with two mirrors, which okay, I... Okay, the, the book did look interesting. It was an interesting style choice that wove into the Looking Glass world. But one interesting detail to me did not make it it's also, not boring. It's also interesting that they started with him instead of Alice. That's true. I don't... For whatever reason, just we couldn't remember. it. To me, it was just really boring. Alice does come upon him right after he finishes his song, though. I kept thinking about the 90s version with Jeffrey Palmer because he did, he was just so perfect for that role. But I actually like this White King, too. <laughs> Even though he finds him incredibly boring, I, I do like him. I mean, I guess it wasn't he, he himself that was boring. It was just, I don't know, his song and the fact that he was just sitting there looking at a math book. It's he was like, actually doing something with it. Anyway, where I think we're belaboring this too. <laughs> I think he was okay. I thought it was boring. I think he's okay. <laughs> anyway. It, it was fine. It just took too long. And after Alice shows up shortly after that, the March, the girl, March Hare, shows up. Carrying and she's sort, of, she's sort of hiding like half behind a tree because they've got to hide the puppeteer. But it just makes it look like she's, I don't know, afraid of them and trying to hide it behind the tree as much as she can. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I, I, I was not, yeah. I think I was focused on what was supposed to be happening in this scene. Maybe they touch on the, was it Saxon figures part? I know that they include the hay, which is good. It's just hard to tell 
I have a vague idea of what's happening in this scene, but I don't know how they might have... I don't know completely how they might have changed it or what all they did with it. You transition from that into the scene with the lion and the unicorn, which you have to be familiar with because you have these two guys which are sort of interpretively like a lion and a unicorn. The lion is wearing sort of these wild pants and has this fluffy reddish hair and they kind of look I, maybe this is just me thinking too hard about what how they look but they looked to me like how football players dressed like in the 1920s I'm thinking of like old Disney movies that took place at a college and I'm thinking of how the football players dress so you think maybe they were trying to go old school athletic in their appearance I think so and kind of like they were doing a boxing match yeah. when you come upon them. Yes. But everything but about them did not look like if we knew they were the lion and the unicorn because we're familiar enough with the story, but if someone was just watching this, other than the fact that the one guy had a horn, they did not look like a lion or a unicorn. He thought it looked like an ice cream cone on his head. And he had it to me it looked like he had green skin. So it was rather garish makeup that didn't fit in with the unicorn thing. Yeah. And the Mad Hatter was there. I think the Mad Hatter is one of the best characters in both of these stories. They didn't overdo his character. They didn't make him obnoxious. Good job, guys. The weirdest thing about this whole scene was probably the music. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe the music because it was so strange. I had forgotten about it already. I appreciate that they <laughs> I appreciated that they included the cake part. I heard the hair mention torta and somewhere in there this is, it was this was produced out of a bag and it got divided between the lion, the unicorn and the king. And before this even happens, you get the sense that there's some sort of disagreement where maybe they're both trying to butter up the crown or get things from the crown, and yet they're bickering with them, between them, and it seems like they're trying to infuse the political undercurrent into that scene. It would just be much easier to get, once again, if we actually could understand what they were saying. Mm -hmm. Also during this scene, it sounds like spectators are watching all of this happen. You just hear all of these voices in the background, but you don't actually see anyone. So that was a little bit odd, but I'm just assuming that they were either two, like supposed to be the two countries battling each other because the lion and the unicorn represent two countries, or they're spectators watching the fight between the lion and the unicorn, but it continues even when they're not boxing. It could have been both. Maybe. I don't know. After this, we transition to the scene in the forest with Alice and the White Knight. Which was also very boring. He was knitting. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> this can already be a long scene in English. It was a long scene in Italian. It was a little bit... it was weird. 
the horse was on a coil. It looked like a giant version of something a little kid would ride at a park, except it was in shambles. And the white knight seemed to be dressed a great deal in newspaper, which I can't tell if that was them being creative or not having enough money for a proper costume. Or maybe it was them combining him with the newspaper man that was supposed to be on the train in the previous episode. I wish they would. I wish they would have just put the newspaper man on the train and given him a fake silver costume. You could tell that he was talking about his trap and his beehive and just different familiar things in the story. Alice gets up on the horse with him. And it's just a little bit weird because this horse cannot move unless somebody were to pull the prop. So they keep panning over them, swaying back and forth on for, swaying back and forth on this coil horse like they're supposed to be moving through the forest. Except they never move from that one scene, so I'm not really sure exactly what they were going for with the multiple camera pans. I think it was supposed to be them going through the forest, but you know, fake trees cost money. So <laughs> they should have just, I don't know, gotten a pony or something and gone out into the woods. I don't know. It's their movie. They can do what they want. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and the white knight looked is garish the right word i he wasn't a bad looking guy but just yeah. the way they had him made up looked a little ghostly or strange too much makeup it was overdone and at some point he sings a song because it's italy i guess <laughs> And thankfully, he didn't have a terrible voice either. Maybe they just wouldn't allow that. I don't know. Um, but I don't know that he was actually singing the stories that he was supposed to tell in the book. Because it kept he kept saying a word that sounded like invention. So I didn't know if he was singing about his inventions or whether he was singing... I don't know whether he was singing the, the stories about the, the old man on the gate or... I think it was just talking about his inventions because I heard that word multiple times in the song. And I honestly don't know whether that was wrapped up in the lengthy scene or not. Once again, they did a pretty good job with that in the 90s version. Mm -hmm. Then it gets to the point where they are supposed to part ways, but it almost feels more like Alice is leaving him rather than him leaving her. Either way, they are supposed to part ways, but they... It was done poorly because he gets on his horse and he's not moving anywhere. He's maybe rocking a little bit, but it's like he's supposed to be leaving. And they have, he gives this enthusiastic goodbye and she jumps over the creek and she's on her way. So it sort of worked, but somebody needed to be pulling that prop forward. So he's at least moving away, <laughs> moving away out of the scene. I think it was just supposed to show he was a crazy old man. <laughs> okay. Either way, Alice leaves him in the forest and moves on with her journey. Once she leaves the White Knight, she's running up it. Was it down a flight down of stairs? Down some stairs and then up, up some, some more stairs. stairs, which look very much like a prop. They're not. It's not like they found a garden somewhere. 
Which in, you know, if you're in Italy, couldn't you take advantage of some of the old architecture, maybe? That would involve taking the cameras outside and probably cost money to set up a camera rig and I don't know. They, they been, didn't seem to have a very big budget, so. It would have been interesting, though. Okay. Things cost money. <laughs> I don't know. Don't Public ask me. park? I don't know. And you have the scene with her sitting between the queens, but before that, she has her crown. All of a sudden, it's on her head. And then you have her with the queens questioning her and falling asleep on her and the white queen sings a whole song about something before falling asleep on her then apparently she doesn't want to stay there for the whole nap <laughs> and she goes off to a palace or dining hall wherever the banquet is supposed to take place and there's this sort of drawn-out scene of her trying to get into the palace. But there's this frog with a peg leg. <laughs> that sounds so random when you just say it. There was this frog with a peg leg. <laughs> well. It, it's a big frog puppet with sort of an icky sounding voice and a peg leg. And there's this whole conversation that seems like it took too long and people answering the door and shutting the door and finally she does get in and this is where we both got really grossed out because they're not just having a banquet they are having a banquet filled with loud it was like they gave everybody a microphone and then held it up to their mouths while they loudly smacked and slurped and chewed and it was really gross. If and, you have a problem with mouth sounds, you will hate this scene. And I discovered that he is like me. He also is really bothered by that. It's I mean, disgusting. Chew with your mouth closed, please. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes even when somebody's chewing with their mouth closed, it's not quiet. Just if if you have this problem, I recommend playing music and actually having conversation during the meal so that not the only thing that you're hearing is not the, the mouth noises. You, you need to break it up so you don't go crazy. Which they kind of did because they would stop for a song every once in a while and then the mouth noises would go away. But as soon as the song was over, people would start shoveling the food in again. I was so, so disturbed. It was so gross. Yeah. It was the most triggering part of this whole, whole series. <laughs> um, the Mad Hatter and Alice danced their way into the dining hall. Once again, the Mad Hatter was not obnoxious. He, they just did such a good job with him. And she sits down between the queens. They have her being introduced to the roast. The roast is taken away. She's introduced to the pudding. The pudding is taking, taken away. The insect was pushing in a cart of glorious-looking desserts, and then I couldn't tell whether he was licking one of them, and he thought maybe he was whispering to it. I can't tell. At this point, once she's introduced to the pudding, they should be wrapping it up. 
But no, she gets a pear taken away from her, and the White Queen sings this whole song, and there are figures showing up on her plate of Tweedledum and Tweedledee, and this this set of hands with a question mark. It's like, yeah, question mark is right, and she's doing all these little gestures with her hands, and it was, I couldn't, I thought maybe they were trying to retell the story in song form during the dinner, the time would have been better spent putting detail elsewhere. Yeah, I, I have no idea what was going on. We were just completely confused through the whole thing. And I felt like they were filling time, and they did, it didn't have to be that way. Um, the wine seemed to be flowing freely. There was this scene with... There was a lot of weird wine scenes. The yeah. flower was there. It looked like the flower was getting sauced. And people drinking their wine in different ways. The, one of the strange people from the train was putting it on a plate. He was very disturbed by the goat. Frankly, I was a little disturbed by the goat because he was drinking it in a barbaric way and I think might be getting a little bit of goat beard in his mouth or something. And It was very bizarre. The whole scene was very bizarre. And then at some point, it's like all the dishes start floating, start to float in the air and all these strange things are happening and she's pulling at the tablecloth. This is not how this is supposed to go. Well, similar things have happened in other versions, but it, they took it to a weird level. She is supposed to pull the tablecloth. She is supposed to shake the Red Queen, but they did it wrong. They, yes, it, They made it seem very sinister, like everything got kind of dark. I didn't like the lighting. They belabored it way too much. At some point, she is shaking this little sort of Red Queen doll figure, but she's supposed to wake up in the study holding her kitten. And they have her waking up, being woken up by her sister on the grass where she's apparently been taking a nap this whole time through mm -hmm. all four episodes. And she was holding her hat, too. Like, I think she was holding the hat instead of the kitten, which was oh. odd. Okay, I hadn't picked up on that. I'm assuming that they were going for modern times, either that they got the costuming very wrong because her sister does not look period correct, and Alice doesn't look totally period correct either. And at this point, they get up and wander off. But it was so, it was awkwardly long, like a handshake that lasts maybe a little too long or, or something where, it, no, you're supposed to do this and then it's supposed to end. And yet, okay, they're still walking. Is something else going to happen? And no, they're, they're, they're still walking. And it, I, it took so, like they walked from right in front of the camera to until they were like, Tiny little figures off I, in the distance. I and thought was, maybe the white rabbit or something was going to pop out of somewhere. Like, there, there, maybe there's, there's something else, but no. And there was no music either. And, and no poem at the end. They could have inserted a poem. Yeah. Which would have made sense. It was just awkward silence with them wandering off. And then the end credits. That's it. The, the end. So, to recap over the four episodes, there were definitely some positive elements, but it's not one that I'm going to be 
dying to rewatch nearly mm -hmm. what like three and a half hours of footage yeah this they could have shortened this a lot more than they did yes there was so many scenes that felt like they were just drawn way out to fill time if you speak italian and you love the 70s maybe watch it but once i might do me yeah. And unless we were to rewatch selective clips if you were in the right mood for it. But it's not the most magnificently done or detailed version out there. I would much prefer to watch the nineteen ninety nine versions, both the American and the British look through the looking glass. Those are, to me, those are the two best ones. Nothing I've seen so far has topped them. But we're going to keep watching and we'll let you know. <laughs> Maybe we'll find a hidden gem someday, but it wasn't this one. And I was kind of excited to watch it too, or at least in the mood to watch it. So it wasn't as good as I was hoping, but it could have been way worse. They didn't kill off the Mad Hatter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to be all for this episode. I've got more that Sarah and I will watch together. There's some more foreign ones that I know about. We'll see if they're any better than this one. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. And pass through the looking glass into Wonderland.